Hello and welcome to Hogan Lovell's Newsbeat, the podcast that keeps you up to speed with developments in the world of pensions over the last two weeks. I'm Claire Southern and I'll be taking you through something of a bonanza session today, as it seems there have been some busy bees in the pensions arena. We'll be taking a look at Jeremy Hunt's Mansion House speech and the wave of material released in its wake, the Department for Work and Pensions refreshed website on midlife MOTs, and a new equality and diversity survey winging its way round from the pensions regulator. So first up, the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt's long-awaited Mansion House speech, so-called because it was delivered in the Mansion House, which is the official residence of the Lord Mayor of London. As expected, much of the speech focused on pensions and pension investment. The Chancellor made clear that any pensions-related decisions would be bound by his three golden rules, such that they would seek to secure the best possible outcomes for pension savers, they would prioritise a strong and diversified gilt market, and finally, any decisions must strengthen the UK's competitive position as a leading financial centre, able to create wealth to fund public services. So what were the main thoughts outlined? Let's take defined contribution first, because this is where the punchier stuff is. The Chancellor commented that in the UK, defined contribution schemes invest under 1% in unlisted equities, compared to some 5 to 6% in Australia. That all looks set to change. He announced the formal signing of the Mansion House Compact by many large DC schemes, including Aviva, Scottish Widows, LNG, Agon and Phoenix. They have committed to the objective of allocating at least 5% of their default funds to unlisted equities by 2030. The Chancellor also announced that the government would be facilitating a programme of DC consolidation. So I think we will see more of the smaller DC schemes transfer into the large professionally run master trusts. There will also be some further thinking coming on collective defined contribution schemes. Collective defined contribution schemes exist in some other countries and were introduced into UK legislation. They basically allow employers and employees to contribute into a pot, which will then provide a target pension. Now, the key here is that the pension is not guaranteed, so the allocation of risk is shifted from the employer to the employee. There seems to have been little appetite to date for these types of arrangements, but perhaps that is set to change. The government will also explore if additional investment vehicles are needed to enable pension schemes to invest quickly and effectively in unlisted companies. The Chancellor has also had some things to say about defined benefit schemes, announcing plans for a permanent super fund regulatory regime to provide employers and trustees with, quote, new scaled up ways of managing DB liabilities. I have to say I'm not entirely clear what in practice that means, but it was linked to a call for evidence on the role of the Pension Protection Fund and the part that defined benefit schemes play in productive investment. The Chancellor also noted in his speech that the government intended to look at the culture of investment decisions with a view to improving the understanding of pension trustees' fiduciary duties, that there would be a consultation on increasing private equity investments by local government pension schemes, Steps would be taken to encourage global companies to list on the London Stock Exchange. There would be an independent review into the future of payments technology and new legislation would be introduced to enable regulators to reform the rules on innovative payments and fintech services. So quite a bit for the government to pack into the next 18 months. But it doesn't stop there. On the back of all of that, we've had a veritable deluge of documentation issued, 
possibly to prove that the Chancellor has indeed been doing his homework. So we've had a call for evidence on DB schemes focusing on incentivising trustees and employers to consider investing in productive assets. Certainly sounds better than investing in unproductive assets. Making it easier to extract surplus before winding up and the potential benefits of a public sector consolidator, possibly a role to be taken by the Pension Protection Fund. Then we've had a call for evidence on trustee skills, capability and culture. Looking at improving trustee skills, especially in the area of investments, whether TPR should keep a register of trustees, should trustee boards have a minimum proportion of accredited trustees, are more rigorous requirements needed for professional trustees, and do the fiduciary duties discourage alternative investments or prevent trustees seeking the best financial returns for savers? We also have the long-awaited consultation response and the consolidation of defined benefit pension schemes, which was first issued in 2018. Someone has clearly cracked the whip because the DWP has now issued a response at breakneck speed. It states that legislation will be brought in as soon as parliamentary time allows to support a superfund regime. Superfunds would be a potential destination for defined benefit schemes who are unlikely to reach full funding on a buyout basis. The response makes clear that they would be categorised as occupational pension schemes and would not therefore be subject to the more stringent requirements that apply to insurance companies. Next up, the Department of Work and Pensions has also offered up its consultation response on collective defined contribution schemes. In it, we are told to expect draft regulations in autumn 2023 on the topic. So perhaps there is indeed life in the old dog yet. Another response from the Department of Work and Pensions, this one on helping savers understand their pension choices and following a call for evidence in June and July 2022. The response states that every pension scheme should provide choices at retirement that aim to deliver what the member wants to achieve from later life income. Now, this may be through in-house provision or through partnering with another provider. Initially, we should expect guidance from the pensions regulator and messaging from the DWP, followed by legislation. We've also had a joint response from the pensions regulator, DWP and the Financial Conduct Authority to the consultation on value for money framework. Now, this is the framework that looks to ensure that savers in defined contribution arrangements receive good value for money when looking at investment performance, cost and charges, and quality of service. The response suggests that underperforming schemes will have to take immediate improvement action or wind up and consolidate. And we should expect legislation in due course to facilitate this. This response dovetails with a recent press release from the pensions regulator on its DC scheme survey, which showed that many schemes, especially the smaller ones, are failing to meet the pensions regulator's requirements for good value. So I guess we can expect some action in this area. And finally, a response and further consultation aimed at dealing with the proliferation of small pots. These being the small pensions pots built up in different schemes where people move jobs and don't transfer their pension entitlement. We can expect primary legislation to be enacted that will help facilitate consolidation. I'm not actually convinced that this will work, and it's something of a shame that the government hasn't gone for something more like the Australian system, called stapling, where a member has one pot that follows them from job to job unless they actively choose otherwise. So let's set aside the recent flurry of activity caused by the Mansion House speech and see what else is going on. 
Well, the DWP has launched a new version of the Midlife MOT website to help workers with financial planning, health guidance, and assessing what their skills mean for their careers and future. The website includes links to a financial MOT on Money Helper, information on finding a past private pension pot, checking your state pension age and state pension forecast, and calculating ideal retirement incomes. Could be a useful tool for employers to direct their workforce to. We've also had an announcement from the pensions regulator that it will be launching a diversity and inclusion survey. All trustees of defined contribution and defined benefit schemes will be eligible to complete the anonymous online survey. Invitations to participate will be sent to around 97,000 trustees and members of public sector pension boards. The survey comes after TPR research into DC pension schemes showed most schemes did not formally capture data in relation to their trustees. The survey will include the proportion of trustees with protected characteristics under the Equality Act 2010, for example, gender and race, their academic and socioeconomic backgrounds and work experience. Trustee views on diversity and inclusion to detect changes in sentiment over time. Questions on what diversity and inclusion data is already recorded by schemes. Actions being taken to ensure diversity and inclusion among trustees and measuring awareness of TPR's equality, diversity, and inclusion action plan. TPR expects the results to be published before the end of 2023. Finally, just to remind you that on the 13th of September, we'll be hosting our in-person training day for new trustees and anyone company side who'd like to gain an understanding of pensions. Anyone is welcome. Just click in the link in the description. A big thank you for listening to the session. I hope that you've enjoyed what has been a fairly packed session. I'm off for a lie down now. Check us out at Twitter on HL Pensions if you want to know more. 